What's happening? Um, I'm gonna need you to go ahead and come in tomorrow. So if you could be here around nine, that would be great. Okay. Welcome to Double Impact, the podcast where we double back on the movies that impacted us growing up as 90s kids and decide whether they hold up today or are best left in the past. I'm Tristan. And I'm Greg. It's a fr- an earlier Friday afternoon recording today. Yeah. Slightly within business hours. <laughs> Just slightly. Slightly. Don't worry, my boss doesn't listen. We're in a new world of flexibility though right now. It's true. Actually, I had a day, I had a day off today. Talking about, oh, did you? Yeah, I started at seven, so it's all right. Yeah, there you go. It's uh, a sunny winter's day in Australia. It is, it's quite warm. Absolute cracker of a day. It was, what was it, 20 something? Yeah, I was getting like sunburned, but I'm very <laughs> pale, the palest of them all. <laughs> That's from Snow White, which is a film. Yeah, yeah, is we're, this uh, got a Greg way here? Keep going. Speaking of films, yeah, we're reviewing one hey, today. Okay. Office Space. Ah, there it is. All right. Um, the 1999 cult classic, you would have to – this is a cult classic, isn't it? This is a bona fide cult classic. Uh-huh. Yeah, it is. This really, really is. You've you had boner. <laughs> <laughs> I can't really do me with some butthead. Yeah, I'm all right. Yeah. I was oh, – sorry, I used to be. Yeah. I can't see – I can't tell you what's going to come out tonight. Though. I can I can do um, Hank Hill a bit. I can do him too. What in the hell are you talking about, Bobby? Bobby? All <laughs> 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 right. That was Boomer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right, please hang in there. I promise this episode will not just be – we got them all out of the way, I think. Office Space. Office Space. Written and directed by Mike – Mike Judge. Judge. Written and directed? Yeah. Yeah, why not? Sure. Man, funny story. Uh-huh. He didn't even know what a director was when he signed up to this because he just did everything himself all the time. So he's yeah. like – so what do you guys usually do? Like rehearsals? Like how do you want to do this? <laughs> Before you didn't know like. <laughs> you tell us. Yeah, yeah. You're the guy. So he was, that's what I love about it. I'm going to, I've got a huge man crush on Mike Judge now. Oh, yeah. And as the more I read into him, the more I see him talk, little things like that. He's so, so chill. It's so sharp. He's sharp, successful. Cute. No ego. He's kind of cute. Yeah, well. Strap in, folks. <laughs> Strap yourselves in. And wish me luck. Yeah, and wish Ara luck. Yeah. A lot to, to live try up to. and keep up with. <laughs> Mike Judge. Wow. Uh, 1999 was quite a year, wasn't it? 1999 was quite a year. It was mm. my my uh, final year of high school, year 12 we have here in New South Wales. Mm, I was in the 10th grade. The 10th grade. Is that mm. a sophomore? Who knows? I have, I have no idea. That's something, though. Uh, either way. We were yeah. getting towards the end of our high school run. 1999 saw the saw the start of, of classic series such as Sopranos, mm. cult classic Freaks and Geeks. Yeah, very similar trajectory to this one, isn't it? Mm. Mm. Yeah. Um, on the other end of the scale, show's ending, we had the great and powerful Hey Hey It's Saturday. Live from the studios of the Mind Network Australia, entertainment hub of the universe and on relay around. Canberra, Brisbane, Darwin, Papua New Guinea, Perth, Adelaide, Hobart, and Oblivion. Welcome to our final three hours of Matt Kemp, Mayhem with Dags, the Dr. Deacon, all the gang on the last ever Hey H
was a Saturday night variety program. Hosted, yeah. Hosted by a guy named Daryl. Daryl Summers. Daryl Summers. It's a weird show. Best left in the past. Kind of. Because also as a host, maybe just the way people host now has evolved a lot. But he just was like some guy, it seemed. He He's like, hey, so uh, what's uh, do you like doing things? You oh, do. That's interesting. You do. Oh, that's good. Okay. Well, we're going to go to Red Faces now. A bit mumbly and a bit just, oh, okay. Yeah. yeah I think there was, I think that was his shtick. Maybe. He, he got paid, I forget the numbers, but it was staggering money at the time. Like he was Australia's highest paid TV star right. by a long way. And I think it was an era when there was just a handful. Like there was a couple chosen mm. people that for whatever reason were the guys. Him, Mike Whitney. Yeah, Bert Newton. And uh, that American Larry Emder. guy. Larry Emder. Yeah, oh, but Don, he's all right. Don Lane. Yeah, Don Lane. What was his deal? Oh, he used to live near my grandparents. Interesting. He's a very tall man. Is he? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, unless that was some other guy I saw. Well, anyway, yeah, Hey Saturday was a bit, it's kind of a cross between like a yeah variety show but also the closest thing we had at the time to a late night show too because it would be like where that the celebrities come. We didn't have the star power to sustain a five nights a week type of deal for no, that. No, we did well for one. And, yeah. It, yeah, that's where they would come, you know, on a Saturday night. I think we played a clip with Heath Ledger on the um, – He did. On the it two was hands two hands. Episode, it was, yeah. And it was his, like, first interview and he's – and it was he's so green. He was so adorkable. Yeah. <laughs> I'll throw a few names at you from the show and see if you can remember them. Russell Gilbert. He just oh, came up yeah. And stand up. Whoa. That yeah. was a, that's a throwback. That really yeah, takes me it? back. Uh, Red Simons, of course. Red Simons. Mr. Gong. He was, uh, he was the, the villain on the program. Wasn't he also like the bass player in the. Something. Uh, oh, what were they? He's a pretty cool guy. He probably had more talent than a lot of people on the show. Wilbur Wilde played the sax. Remember Wilbur Wilde, the big tall guy? I thought he was cool. In one he episode cool. they cut off his ponytail. Very cool. Uh, of course, uh, Australian icon Molly Meldrum. That's correct. He was our, he was our musical, what was he, like a manager or just Mr. Music? He hosted a TV show that was a very famous TV show called ABC's Countdown. Yeah, and that's where all the big bands would um, either launch in Australia, or if you were overseas and you were touring, you were always on that show. So he was, he was Mr. Music. He was, he was out the face of music in Australia. Yeah, I'd say, do yourself a favor, go out and buy it, or whatever. That's what he would say at the end. Yes, he would, and uh, you know he copped a lot of shtick. He was, he was a, a gay guy, and it was pretty early days where he would, he would get hammered over that on the show, in subtly, but. Well, they, yeah, there were weird things with um, both the gay thing and also weird racial things yeah. because we talked about the blackface stuff. Oh, yes, because there was one episode where Jewel, you know the singer Jewel played? I was watching it with my mum and Daryl Summers said something after the performance, like, great set. And my mum <laughs> was like, oh. And I was like, what is it, mum? What do you mean? And she's like, he's talking about her boobs. And I was like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> That seems like a horrible. That's pretty good. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you're so woke, (laughs) young Tristan. Um, No, my my mother was very good at these things. Yeah, with I'm surprised it hasn't come up in a movie yet. But you know how people say things like a teachable moment. She makes Mm. these things a teachable moment always. There's some good ones. I'll save them for when the movies come. Yeah, she'll explain to me why that's not cool and like she's very good with that. That's excellent. Yeah, definitely a friend of the show. Shout out to my mum. Yeah. Big time. Skyhooks. Red Simon was in the Skyhooks. 
horror movie right there on my TV. <laughs> I, don't know. I don't know any of them. You don't know that that song? No. What about Living in the 70s? Oh, I'm living that in them. the 70s. That's it. I feel like I something sees. When my face gets dirty just walking around. I need another pill to calm me down. <laughs> So yeah. finished in 1999. Yeah, Interesting. It. Apparently. Shout out R.A.P. Pluckaduck. R.A.P. Pluckaduck and others. Um, Office Space. Well, that came out in quite a year for movies. Star Wars, The Phantom Menace. This is when they took it back, the prequel craze. You know when prequels were like the thing? Oh, aren't they what, anymore? But what about how did he get that hat? <laughs> the Sixth Sense was also this year. This is the top ten, by the way. Uh. Uh, number three, Toy Story 2. Number four, The Matrix. Number five, Tarzan. Number six, The Mummy. Number seven, Notting Hill. Number eight, The it World Is Not Enough. <laughs> number nine, American Beauty. Jeez, that came and went, didn't it? American Beauty is like, that won't hold up. We should watch that. I look forward to it. This, these are, there's, um, um, there's a lot in there I want to do Because this is those. the zone. This is the zone of they tragically outdate yeah. in the short term. Yeah, it before. takes a while to know if they're a classic. Mm. With the exception of the film that came in at number 119 that year, uh-huh. which was, of course, Office Space. Damn, it feels good to be a gangster. A real gangster ass nigga plays his cards right. A real gangster ass nigga never runs his fucking mouth because real gangster ass niggas don't start fights. Uh, what a movie. Came out in February of 1999. February you don't very, see very often in these little. Uh, no. Notes, that's a nothing time. That's right, you've yeah. missed the awardees. Yeah. And you're going to be forgotten for the next awardees. <laughs> and no one's going to go watch it. I guess maybe a Valentine's movie perhaps. Or well, as it turns out, no. Because Straight to Divda. It, it cost $10 million. It made $12.2 at the box office. But as we all know, in the years that followed, it, it became a bona fide cult classic. Cult classic. Uh, it sold over $6 million copies of the DVD in the US alone, that's roughly 2% of the population in the US in 1999. Mm-hmm. Rotten Tomatoes, critic score of 80%, oh. audience score of 93%. Ooh. Yeah. There's certain things I save myself for in this podcast, that's more one and more, and um, that's one of them. It's, a po- it's arguably a better critic score than I would have assumed. It's no American beauty <laughs> if that was the style at the time. <laughs> It wasn't pretentious enough. It's yeah. just too real, man. Yeah, there wasn't enough filming of dead birds or, or a floating plastic rubbish. bag caught in an updraft. Uh, mm. yes. Was it a big movie for you, though, Greg? Um, so I watched it on the Divda. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, it was an instant classic in many ways. I loved all the characters. Um, there was tons of quotes in there that became part of the vernacular. Oh, so many. More than I remembered. I was like, oh, that's where I got this from. Yeah. yeah. Heaps. What was funny for me, though, was I was probably at a, the exact opposite of the storyline yeah. at this stage. So I had finished school. When I finished school, I went to Sydney Uni to study arts. Yeah. Um, I spent more time just cruising around campus, smoking cigarettes, having a great time. I wasn't going to a lot of class. Yeah. And, you know, you've got to go to class to learn to. That's what I hear. Yeah, yeah. pass the exams and whatnot. So when it came time to do the exams, there was a window where you could drop out or defer Mm. and it wouldn't affect your Oh, I remember this. This was always a thing at uni. Someone's always having that discussion. Should I just? just? So I I hit the eject button um, and, yes, I dropped out and I became a labourer. So point being 
long way around for this point. I was uh, I was a labourer when I watched this movie. So at oh, the end when he's oh the old reverses. yeah. So at the end when he's going about uh, making bucks, I was like, yeah, but it's oh, were you it's, like, it's I've done it. Yeah, <laughs> I'm here. I can skip that part. <laughs> Save myself some time. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, and what about you? I did do some labouring back then actually, just carrying bricks around and oh, such. Oh, yeah, Bricky's labour is very hard. Oh, no, I – well, actually, I'm merging stories there. My dad used to make me carry bricks around all the time. Just because? I, so I used to visit my dad every second weekend when he was living in Australia and it would always be like – Fuck, we arrive at his house and there's a pallet of bricks out the front. Oh, fuck. He's going to ask me to carry all the bricks from the front yard to the backyard. Yeah, and then back again. Because <laughs> like he builds he build stuff. He does, he's amazing in the backyard and he'll build all these amazing things. Cool. But he would find in the newspaper someone's thrown away bricks. <laughs> and he'd go get them. <laughs> he'd go get them. I love that. <laughs> and he would make me carry them all. <laughs> but we would, we uh, there were some life skills involved, maybe some Mr. Miyagi shit around yeah. discipline or whatever. But not as pointing as your mum's lessons on hey, hey. Exactly. What movie are we talking about? <laughs> <laughs> How to move a brick. How to move a brick. The moving of a brick is a lot like <laughs> a lovable good woman. <laughs> First you got the cement there. Yeah, they're rough around the edges. They look worse when they're older. <laughs> At some point you've got to get some new bricks. Jeez, <laughs> uh, I think that's good. We probably can cut that. Yeah, um, yeah, we're definitely <laughs> cutting a bit about the bricks. Uh, uh, so, so you liked the movie. <laughs> this was a big movie for me. We're squarely in the era of film student Tristan and I was a big fan of these smaller pictures. We haven't covered this yet. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> We're talking about bricks. We took a brick detour. Yeah, it's important. Tell us about your bricks. This, this was the era, man. This was it. I don't know how I watched it. Maybe it was on Foxtel or something and I just stumbled across it But because mm. I can't imagine why I would Pick it seek up. it out. Yeah, um, Jennifer Aniston? Yeah, maybe. No, I think it was on Foxtel. There were a few. I watched a lot of movies on Foxtel in those days. But this combined with... Between this and Fight Club, the whole office cubicle cubicle vibe and uh-huh. how horrible that is inspired my year 12 art major work at the time. Oh, what did you do? I was do? doing these paintings of like semi-abstracty office cubicle vibes, shades of grey, monotony, whatever. But I didn't, know, I didn't know where the hell I was going with it, a bit R- like your, your arts degree. And mm. then... <laughs> then like in one night I suddenly decided to shift gears and did all these charcoal drawings and ditched, the, <laughs> ditched all the paintings because I didn't know what I was doing with it. But it was a big deal at the time. I thought there's something interesting in this whole whatever. Yes, both aesthetically and conceptually. Yeah, yeah. Um, yes. Yeah, I, I really, really liked it. I watched it a lot. This was up there. This is almost like I think this is probably when I watched Lebowski as well. Like there was a solid rotation of a few movies like this. Yeah, but to your point, it's this is going to be. I mean, City Slickers was an unexpectedly interesting rewatch. This one, I think, we knew would be an interesting rewatch, mm. given we were both so young then, and now we're halfway through, hopefully, through our careers at this point. We knew it was going to hit differently, but before we get into that, let's uh, get into the origin story. We're perhaps. halfway through our careers. I'm not going to so. be out of there in 15 years. Well, that's the plan. Fuck. Origin story. Hey, this is a good origin story. There's a lot more going on here than I thought. Let's put my beer down because I'm getting serious. <laughs> I'm pop that down right over there. This, yeah, this is a big one because I'd always imagined that this was just a bit of a detour from his usual fare, you know, cartoons and such and uh-huh. Beavis and Butthead and such. 
But this is much closer to his reality. This is this the origin story of this movie is very closely linked to the origin story of Mike Judge as how we know him as a comedy guy, funny guy. How we know him. How we know him. So he actually graduated from university with a physics degree. Oh, so he didn't drop out. He didn't drop out. He Good for you, Mike. He was doing everything right. One nil, Mike. He grew up in an era where science degree means you're good. You go get a physics degree, you got a self, you got yourself a kick-ass job immediately out of uni. And he graduated uni, he was a bit he was he you know, good grades or whatever, and he couldn't get a job. It's like, what the fuck? This is this is uh what I did all the things. Why why can't I get a job? So he's like living pretty he couldn't afford a phone line or whatever. He's he's not doing great. Where, he, where in the where in the world was he? Uh, I don't know, San Diego or something. Let's go with that. Yeah, I think it was San Diego, and um, he grew up in Texas or whatever. Or not Texas. Fuck, I can't remember. But something more. New Mexico or Albuquerque? <clears throat> was it? Yeah. Oh, there you go. <laughs> Sorry, go on. Um, in any case, he finally lands a job. He's like, okay, fucking great, back on track. I've got the job. Shit's happening. You know, some people were interesting to work with, other people were a bit weird, but also just the monotony of it all. He, he got his first taste of like, oh, this is a bit shit. But he did meet one character in particular that was kind of interesting. Something about uh, my destiny wasn't in my control and I, got, I, I liked these people I was working with. Then I got transferred into this different group and I was in this room with a uh, bunch of really weird guys, middle-aged uh, Creepy. I'm middle-aged now, but you know, I was 22 at the time. Um, there was one guy. I, I asked him. Uh, he just never said anything. I, I kind of wondered about him, and I just said uh, one day. I just said, "Hey, how's it going?" I won't say what his name is, and he just started saying this thing about like, um, "If they move my desk one more time, I'm quitting." And, and I was by the window and. <laughs> I'd opened the floodgates, and he went on about his fish tank, and how, and <laughs> he had a, uh, I think he had a mail order bride. I'd heard actually. So apparently, he left that job after a couple of weeks. But you can kind of see where that's going, right? He met an interesting character there. Damn it! I met so many interesting characters. Well, there. this is the thing too. We'll get into this, but he, there's a common, there's a common theme here. He's drawn on a lot of his life experience in this movie. And at first uh, I'm thinking, what a lucky guy. He's met all these interesting characters. We've all met interesting We've characters. We've all met the characters He just he's knows what to do with it. He just yeah, knows yeah, what yeah. to do he with it. He knows how to pull out the... He knows how to pull out the thing. The thing. Yeah, yeah, he knows how to pull out the thing. So anyway, he ditches that job. He moves to Silicon Valley. He's, he's, he's uh, at some point, of the, I don't know the exact timeline, at some point here he's getting married, he's having a, he's having a daughter, um, and he gets another job. Um, you know, and it's Silicon Valley and shit's happening and it's, yeah, yeah. it's fucking it's Silicon a pla- Valley. It's a place it's to be. It's a place to be. Garage of dreams. But guess what? Let's let's uh, check back in with Mike Judge on this See one. how he's going. And then I ended up getting this job at this place at Parallax called Parallax and I was, again, grateful for my job. I, I get there the first day and it was like I was walking into this bizarre cult. It was a company of about 50 people and Everybody was already there when I got there. There was I got there ten minutes early. It was my first day, and and then um, I had no rapport with anybody. I couldn't relate to anybody. Nobody was sitting around just you know having any idle conversation. And so I um, around by the time lunchtime came around, I actually left for my deal was eight to six with an hour for lunch. Well, nobody left for lunch except for me that first day. 
And I, I, I was just counting the hours until 6 o'clock. And then 6 o'clock rolls around, everybody's still there. Like, nobody's leaving. And 6.30, and then 7. And this guy, Hilden, who was just on me all day, like, he comes over and goes, okay, uh, now I'm going to get you started on the RTs. And, uh, we're gonna... and I was just wanted to go home. And uh, <laughs> at 7.30, I finally just made up an excuse that I had to pick up someone from the airport. And I went home, and then I realized, wow, this, this is just Monday. And I still have Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and then the next week, and then the rest of my life until I retire. <laughs> and uh, so um, I ended up uh, calling in sick the following Monday. And then Tuesday, the, one of my many bosses, I had like five or ten of them, I don't know, <laughs> comes by and he goes, hmm, yeah. Uh, <laughs> So you were sick yesterday, huh? I said, yeah, yeah, I was sick. Hmm, did you have a cold or something? And, uh, and it turned into the most passive-aggressive conversation I've ever been in. And uh, I lasted there about two and a half, three months. I probably called in sick three more Mondays after that. It's another character, shall we say. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. More and more seeds are planted, more seeds are planted. He's about 27 at this point, according to my calculations. Yep. And he's like, I can't do this. This is not, this is not my jam. I'm a, I wanted to get into the, I'm a, I'm a funny guy. I want to do the funny guy stuff. I'm a musician. I can, I can go play music. He's a musician? Yeah, he's a musician. So he, he quits this job. He goes, he plays some music for a while. But he says like he could play music, but he wasn't like a singer or a songwriter. So he was always just working on other people's stuff. Yeah. So again, wasn't in control of his own destiny. He goes to an animation festival and he sees that the Annie Fest? The Annie Fest, the annual the Annie Annie Fest. Mm. And um he sees that someone from his local town's got a fucking animated children and it's like That guy? I don't know if he knew the guy, but there was still just that huh. that thing of like, What? I could do that. And he didn't know how to animate. He had no history in animation. He was a physics guy. And he just he went to the it. library. He could animate in cat. Had. He could animate it potentially. <laughs> but anyway, he basically teaches himself to animate. And he's reading and he gets the camera and he's drawing by hand all this shit. He's working fucking hard, way harder than he ever worked in the office. Yeah, yeah. He's like, this is my thing. He looks back at this as like this was the time I was the happiest I've ever been. Success came later but this was the shit. And he's waking up at early morning and, you know, he's, he's in. He makes his first animated short which was called Milton's Office Space. Um, I'll play it here because it's mostly it's a minute and a half and it's it speaks for itself. Really. Yeah. He made this in 1990, so at this point he's 28 or whatever. It took him about six to, six to eight weeks to animate, and and this is the animated short here. I told Bill if they move my desk one more time, I'm quitting. I used to be over by the window, and they moved me three times already this year. And, and if they do it one more time, I'm mad at here. I used to have my own stapler too, and then when I moved back, they made me give back my stapler. And but Bill told me I'm supposed to have a stapler, so and until I'm told different, I'm just gonna take a stapler. And if they make me give it back, I'll, I'll just I'll set the building on fire. <laughs> Oh, hello, Milton. What's happening? Um, I'm going to need you to go ahead and move your desk again. 
So uh, well, if you could go ahead and just get it as far back into that corner as possible, that'd be terrific. But that way we'll have some more room for some of these boxes and things we need to put in here. Well, okay. And, uh, oh, there's that stapler I've been looking for here. Um, Let me but, just go ahead and get that from you. Thanks. Well, okay, so uh, if you could go ahead and just get to that as soon as possible, that'd be terrific. Well, all right. Thanks a bunch, Milton. Okay. Bye-bye. Well, but, well, okay, but I'm, I'm going to set the building on fire. I did not receive my paycheck. <laughs> there were squirrels and they were married. Um, <laughs> his first animation, first uh-huh. thing, he doesn't know what to do with this thing, so he, he puts it on VHS and sends it out to whoever the fuck, everybody. And he actually hears back from heaps of people. He's hearing back from Comedy Central, Kids in the Hall, which is that cultish cultish, a cult comedy thing from back in the day. Uh-huh. And it actually gets aired on Comedy Central. Yeah. And eventually gets aired on SNL as well. And he makes a couple more animated shorts for SNL. I think, I don't, I'm unclear because I couldn't find, I tried to track all these down. I don't think they're all office space ones. I think one was a bit of an ancestor to to um, King of the Hill and mm-hmm. there's a few different flavors showing up there. He was never totally happy with them either, but Needless to say, this seed was planted. It's a huge success. It's on the festival circuit. It's on TV. Mm-hmm. It's first animation. This shit is it's good. Wow. Um, he always wanted to do more. He kind of wanted to make this into a series. Um, at a certain point, Beavis and Butthead's taken over. He doesn't have time for any more office space shenanigans. Beavis Shut and Butthead is, is a phenomenon. I'm sure we'll cover that more when we do that movie. So I won't, I won't go too far down that rabbit hole here. But at some point later in the 90s, the 20th Century Fox's head of film, I was like, hey, you should make this a movie, a live action picture. Oh, yeah. And um, the first roadblock was the uh, how do you make a whole movie about Milton? Like do you really mm. want to know what he gets up to in his spare time? Probably not. Uh, and so that's how the idea evolved to, to what we ended up with there, the office space uh-huh. with which we were presented. Now – how about get into casting? Mm-hmm. There were a few b- bigger players initially in the mix. Um, this was, you know, this was As pretty in soon physically after. bigger, uh, physically bigger, and and um, metaphorically. Yeah. So mm-hmm. uh, this is the era of the the Matt Damon's the, Matt Damon. The Matt Damon. Yeah, this is post whatever the fuck that movie was. Wilbur Wilbur's Huntings. Yeah. And uh, there was also talk of potential uh, Owen Wilsons and Vince Vaughn's and such. Wow. Um, Owen Wilson actually could have kind of played wow. Peter, but it's um, a different vibe. I yeah. like where they landed ultimately. Mr. Livingston was good. Apparently Kate Hudson, Redford, Jennifer Anderson's part. John C. McGinley, one of the Bobs, mm-hmm. who obviously we've covered before in Point Break, he auditioned for Lumberg. I heard. Yeah, but he, um, he obviously got one of the Bobs. Uh, but Ron Livingston had the right vibe. Apparently a lot of these other bigger actors came in and they were a bit like, fuck this job and uh, big, doing, big energy. doing too much. Yeah, and it's like, no, 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 you, like, you have to be defeated by this thing. And he got that right fucking yeah. energy. Um, Gary Cole straight up just did his best impression of what we just heard as Lumberg on the animated short. And he Gary Cole. Gary Cole, not Gary Coleman. What are you talking about, Lumberg? <laughs> Gary Coleman as Lumberg. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, R.I.P. Uh, yeah. Um, obviously nailed it. Obviously all these casting decisions are, are beautiful. Stephen Root, Milton. Mm-hmm. 
got more on him later because I'm a big Stephen Root fan. Mm-hmm. Not that I knew who he was when I first watched this. Yeah. But um, he wasn't even Milton initially. He's, he's one of the voices on King of the Hill, um, Bill. Yep. He's Bill, I think, the sad guy. Yeah. And um, he, I think he was just helping with table reads and stuff and he was jumping in doing a bunch of different characters. He did the hypnotist. At some point he did one of the bobs, yada, yada, yada. And then Mike Judge was like, hey, wait, you should do Milton. And <laughs> it just kind of happened. Um, nice. Michael Bolton was played by David Herman, who's also a King of the Hill guy. Is he? Yeah. So he, he, there's a couple of people here who are already part of the King of the Hill family that is kind of brought over. Um, but Jennifer Aniston, I guess, was the most left field, the biggest star. Mm-hmm. And, man, all respect to Jennifer Aniston. She just wanted to do it. But it also helped in this in the in this movie kind of being legitimized, backed by a star kind of thing. It was an exciting, it was a good get. Yeah. Good get. It's a big name. Right probably, the Friends wave. Probably one of her first movies, I suppose, aside from The Leprechaun. <laughs> yeah. The Leprechaun. <laughs> I'm the Leprechaun. I'm the Leprechaun. So, yeah, they got all these people, shuffled them in front of a camera several times with some cubicles and such, and then they shot the movie. Rap Party the Viper Room. Bish Bash Bosh even. Bish Bash Bosh is in there at some point. At some point. Let's play the trailer. From Mike Judge, creator of Beavis and Butthead and co-creator of King of the Hill, comes a movie about people who go to work. Who are part of a team. And remember, next Friday is Hawaiian Shirt Day. Okay, but I could take the building on fire. Who respect their boss. We need to talk about your flair. Well, I have 15... Fifteen pieces on. Fifteen is the minimum. Brian, for example, has thirty-seven pieces of flair on today, <laughs> and a terrific smile. And need to escape. I don't like my job, and I don't think I'm going to go anymore. One of these days, I, I, I just, I just get this piece of. I'm thinking now it might be more fun to just get fired. And I've always wondered what that would take. Oh, Peter, listen. Uh, <laughs> Well, it looks like you've been missing quite a bit of work lately. Well, I wouldn't say I've been missing it, Bob. <laughs> <laughs> That's just a straight shooter with upper management written all over him. We're going to be getting rid of these people here. Mr. Samir. Okay, okay. Not going to work here anymore anyway. <laughs> you haven't been showing up and you got to keep your job. Actually, I'm being promoted. Thank you, Bob. This is a... It suck. They're going to throw you out on the street so that Bill Lumberg's stock will go up. Ooh, it's completely unfair. Inatech deserves to go down. We're just the guys to do it. Tell me about that virus you're always talking about. The one that could rip off the company for a bunch of money. I'm not going to do anything illegal, Peter. Illegal? Samir, this is America. The worst they're going to do is they put you in a white-collar minimum security resort for a couple of months. You know they have conjugal visits there? I might be showing them my old face. Oh, oh. They let you have sex with women? They sure do. Okay, I'll do it. Office space. I know you've been getting pretty depressed about your job and everything, and so I just wanted to tell you good things can happen in this world. <laughs> I mean, look at me. Fat <laughs> oh, oh, oh. boy Slim. Fat boy Slim. Talk about a man of the time. Yeah, yeah. Although not really part of the soundtrack of the actual picture. No. Yeah. Not a bad trailer. That was probably a La Fontaine. That was a La Fontaine. And I think we're in that era where trailers gave away too much. Yeah. It's the whole movie. Yeah. So I'm not going to go to great lengths. I will just 
set us up for, you know, thinking about what this film is. Mm. And Office Space is essentially a self-help book. Right. A precursor to the best-selling The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck. The powerful ah. life, life lesson for us all to care less, think less, do less. Mm. And in a time where we are overrun with email and notifications and WhatsApp and buzzes, Beepers. so much buzzing. <laughs> Screens, beeps, Screens, vibrating. Socials. Everything's a thing. Ah, you are never alone. The work emails, they've always got you. This allegory, We've brought the office home. We, we have brought the office home. Yeah. Literally now, we work from home. The modern corporate employee has never had a more relevant view of this film than it does now in 2020. Mm. Much more than it was in 99. Mm. Is it a love story? Uh, yeah, it is a love story. Ah, okay, good. Between uh, old Aniston there. Yes. Yeah. Jennifer Aniston and Ron Livingston. Ron Livingston. So how was the rewatch? Uh, it was great, I think. Yeah, oh, it's man. up there, isn't it? We've had a good run. We've had a good if, run. Yeah, like this movie, I don't know how to it, uh, It's It's powerfully simple. Like it's warm and comfortable and familiar. Yeah. Like a great pair of tracky ducks. Yeah. Yet it's sharp, poignant, and I would argue carrying even more meaning now than it did when I wrote, when it was right. I agree. my point. You know, like yeah. it's just there's more going on, there's more. Yeah. So this 100%. guy learning to hit eject, you know, maybe when, you know, he's going quite over the top, he's like, you're going pretty far past where you need to go. But yeah, yeah. There's a lesson in the extreme uh, in the subtle art of not giving a fuck, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but I do love everything about this movie, the simplicity, how it's just a moment in time. It doesn't have, you know, com- the characters are pretty, what you see is what you get, which we can talk about more as a, as a great trait of Mike Judge and his characters. Yeah, the everyday. It's just a familiar moment in time. He strikes this balance of like mundane mm. ordinariness, yet these characters are sort of heightened to like caricatures, but yeah, not so much that it's ridiculous. Yeah, but he just dials up the traits that and are all really familiar. And they're so developed. Like all these characters are like so distinct and mm. you feel like you know them. There's scenes like when they're all eating the cake and it shows like everyone oh, in the office basically. Cake. But it's not like uh, it's not like just a generic crowd shot. Each one of those faces is interesting mm. and probably has a backstory and I'm looks just, like you could imagine him drawing them as a cartoon character. Like I feel like he was so meticulous with all these choices of, yeah, like weird hair or like mm. a bad dress or, yeah. or the shirt with the short sleeves and like, you know, all that, all these little details. And they're just it looks the way they're, like the body cartoon. language, no one's yeah. really talking, like a couple of people are, are talking but they're just turning oh. their torsos to face. No one's facing each other. Oh, man. Yeah. And like the, the rewatch for me was such a delight. This combined with Total Recall and From Dust Till Dawn, these mm-hmm. have been some of the best rewatches I've had. Aww. And I think it's actually raising the bar a little bit because it's reminded me. What bar? Of what's a rewatch and what isn't. Like ah. I feel sorry for the next movie. I forget gotcha. what it is. I'm with you now. It's, I might have to start leaving some things in the past because this has really made me realise 
just how good a rewatch can be. A lot of these movies recently. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. Well, not not necessarily not for the next movie. For them. What <laughs> oh no, the next one's face off. That'll be fine. I don't know that I've seen. Keep going. Wow. I'll save that for next week. That's cool. All right. No, that's, um, that's, this is exciting. So, sorry, keep going with your rewatch. Oh, I've forgotten that his job was actually correcting the millennial bug. Millennium bug. Yeah, Not the millennial bug. <laughs> we're, yeah. still problem, we're still suffering from the millennials. Um, but the millennium bug was his job, which is this, the, it puts you right in that time and place, doesn't it? <laughs> oh. And imagine how shit that job would be. He goes in and just changes his date. Yeah. Oh. And that has dated well in terms of adding to the mundane shitness of his job. Yeah. Like oh, the and, description of what he does. And that first job that Mike Judge had when he was still at uni was alphabetizing something. So it was just as mundane as that. Mm. And, yeah, the whole theme of the movie, which I'm sure we'll get into more, does hit a little different at this stage. Uh-huh. Um, this is City Slickers all over again. Yep. Um, but should we start with some of the cast here? This is some all-star shit. We've touched on, like, some of them at a high level, but it's beyond the main cast. Mm. This is There's, like, all these little pockets of mm. greatness mm. and all these – and each one delivers a great little moment. Uh-huh. They're all just oh, – so many classics – like so many, like you said, the lines. I forgot how many lines I got from this. Yeah. Now at a, at a younger, you know, uh, 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 a younger Tristan would say, two jukes at the same time <laughs> as a response <laughs> to many questions. Yeah. <laughs> that would be my witty response yeah. to any kind of question. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> TPS reports I still just use as a generic mm-hmm. shit thing. Um I wouldn't say pieces I'd be of flair I've used. It, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> pieces of flair is something I still use, but in terms of these little fucking amazing cartoon characters, almost that deliver them, can we start with with Milton and played play by by Stephen Root, mm-hmm. who he is one of those guys, man. This is up there. This is William Fickner territory here. He is always great. He is always. What's he in besides news radio? He's in news radio. He's in a lot of Coen Brothers stuff. Is he? Yeah, he's in No Brother We're Out There, The Lady Killers, No Country for Old Men. In the Ballad of Buster Scruggs, he was the guy that comes out chasing James Franco in saucepans and shit. After uh, trying I can't to remember the bank after he tried to rob the bank. Um, James yeah. Franco's in that. Yeah, briefly. Um, <laughs> yeah, news radio with uh, God of Podcasts, Joe Rogan. <laughs> was Joe Rogan in News Radio? Oh, yeah, he was the sports guy. Yeah, no, he was the IT guy. He <laughs> <You> just assumed. <laughs> yeah, was Who sports- was the sports guy in that? I don't know. It was one, right? Probably. I can barely remember. But that's why, I, cause, because I wasn't. <laughs> he was the, UMA, uh, the, <laughs> <laughs> the UFC guy. Yeah. Well, that's, because I was, wasn't into MMA and stuff, when Joe Rogan started blowing up his podcast, I was like, the News Radio guy? Really? <laughs> yeah, to me, he was the News Radio guy. That's weird. Is that Fear Factor? Oh, no, that's true. Fear Factor as well. Uh, He was in Dodgeball. He was in King of the Hill. Are talking about Rogan now? No, yeah. (laughs) No, we're still talking about. Oh, yeah, Alpha Love. We're still talking about Milton. Yeah, still Stephen Root. Dodgeball, Alpha Love. Um, Idiocracy, which is another. um, You know, I've never seen Idiocracy. It made it work. This is the pinnacle, but Idiocracy is pretty good. Yeah, he was. He was. He sent me some clip on it. He was in Crocodile Dundee too. Really? His um, thingo, he's following him down in New York Street. Oh, yeah, and then he and then he, he puts a knife at the urinal. At the urinal. Yeah, 
That's he checks, him. He goes, you okay, little buddy? <laughs> he, checks with his, he checks in on his peenie. That's weird. <laughs> and now he's in Barry. That show I keep You've telling you to watch. you told me to watch. He is really good in Barry. someone else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah, like I was saying, and this is probably the most physical, uh, what's the word? He looks different in this movie <laughs> mm. more than others. I didn't even realise it was him in the early days. Mm. Um, and I was like, that's that guy? Fuck, that guy's good. I fucking love that guy. Mm. We salute you, yeah, Stephen big Root. Fr- big friend of the show. We're big rooters over here. Mm, rooting for the rooters. Yeah. That's an expression we don't use. I'm rooting for you. Because yeah. rooting here means a shack. Yeah. After all. Yeah, it does, after all. Gary Cole, not Gary Coleman. Gary Cole is Lumberg. Obviously a yeah. great, 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 great performance here. Um, one little character thing I didn't notice in the past was, um, you know, when like Peter stops like responding, he's, it's like it, it, as that happens, he goes harder on Milton. Oh. Yeah, I didn't notice that this time. There's that one scene where, where he's great. like brushing him off and he's like, yeah, I've got to go meet the barbs now. So if you could just, you know, he reverses yeah. it back on him and he's like, huh. He goes straight over to Milton. Starts hammering him. I think that's where he takes the stapler. Like it's, it's yeah, it's oh, interesting. I miss that. That's good. It's good. It's Subtle. like a nice little character thing there, you know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, another great role he has, which is a movie we need to do on this podcast, which I'm sure everyone's forgotten about, the Brady Bunch movie. Oh, he's the dad. It's really good, man. Before we started. Because it takes the piss, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. I watched it just before we started doing this podcast and it was one of those things that reaffirmed that this podcast is a good idea. Yeah, right. Fuck, maybe I'll slot it in. Slot, for, it, slot her in. He's also the dad in Ricky Bobby. Ricky Bobby, Talladega Nights. And another guy who, when I first watched this, I was like, this guy is going to be a star, which kind of didn't happen, or at least not in the sense that I imagined, uh-huh. was the Michael Bolton guy. Uh-huh. I mean, maybe not a star. I didn't think it was going to be Bradley Pitts or something. But yeah, I thought, like, he's going like to be a, a guy. He's going to be a guy. Yeah. And he was on Mad TV. Did you ever, were you a Mad TV no, guy? It confused me. It wasn't a big thing in Australia. It was on late night, randomly. Were Key and Peel on that? I think they were. Orlando Jones was also on it, who was the guy selling magazine subscriptions. Um, yeah. But he was, he was actually stuck on Mad TV. Like, like contractually. I think for this movie to get out of his contract, he was he just started being a complete asshole. He's like screaming his lines at the table read and all kinds oh, of shit. Oh, that's what the football players do. Yeah, that was it with the table reads. They just turn they they just turn up to training and uh, all they get in the field and like right. Maybe that's where he got it from. Yeah, well, he, and he was already on definitely. He was already on King of the Hill and then, and the King of the Hill gang were like, yeah, we got you. Don't worry about it. Just fucking leave. And then and then he got this role. So all fucking good. But did you know that he's actually gone on to do a lot of voice work? So he's in Bob's Burgers. Does he just do recurring work? Like, I'm not sure who he does in Bob's Burgers. I didn't. I forgot to look that one up. But in Futurama, he does Scruffy, Scruffy, yeah, and is. Wernstrom, among others, and then King of the Hill, a few people. But did you know? Years later, those those clever fellas at Funny or Die would take the footage of Michael Bolton's role yeah. and sub in the real Michael, Michael Bolton. Bolton. And this is a recasty for the ages. Michael Bolton? That's me. Wow, is that your real name? <clears throat> so are you related to that singer guy? No, it's just a coincidence. 
No one in this country can ever pronounce my name right. It's, it's not that hard. Well, at least your name is Michael Bolton. You know, there's nothing wrong with that name. There was nothing wrong with that till I was about 12 years old and that extremely talented ass clown started winning all those Grammys. Well, why don't you just uh, go by Mike instead of Michael? No way. Why should I change? He's the one who sucks. <laughs> Little slightly different line read there with the, what do you say, extremely talented instead yeah. of no talent. So did he have a bit of a Craig David moment after this film? I don't know, but he's definitely become like a funny guy. Yeah, I think. He's up for the jokes now. I f- look, I mean, Maybe at the time I he think was. He went, I think he was pretty take. this took the wind out of his sails a bit because he was, you know, pretty successful guy. Not that this. Cause it culturally caused a bit of a turning on him. Yeah. And he goes, I couldn't go anywhere after this without copying shit. Yeah. But apparently he's now up for it. He does, he's done a bunch of fun oh, stuff. Oh, man. Well, the Captain Did Jack Sparrow song. Yeah, yeah. And the Valentine's Day special on Netflix is pretty low. Yeah. It's pretty funny, man. And he signs copies of this movie and stuff. Does he? Like he, people apparently take DVDs to him. And- How good. Good on him. Respect. Yeah. I always respect that. He's got some pipes on him, that man. I tell you what, when he sings, a man loves when a man loves For a me. woman. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't get any better than that. <laughs> All of them. <laughs> it's so hard to choose. You know, you can call me Mike. Yeah, love it. Um, yeah, just rounding out cast. Uh, John C. McGinley. I can't remember if we talked about this during our Point Break episode, mm. where he's the great angry captain. He's got one of those smiles where his mouth doesn't get bigger. Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a very little mouth. <laughs> he, he's awesome. I'm going to just roll through some of his films that oh, he's yeah, yeah. Know, been in. It's an Oliver Stone movie, a lot of things. Yeah, yeah. I think at like five yeah, is right. the number I found. So he's in Platoon, Wall Street. Oh, fuck, I forgot he was in Platoon. Born on the 4th of July, Point Break, Nixon, The Rock, Any Given Sunday. Um, obviously that um, – I'm not a big Scrubs guy but – He was a big deal in that. He was a big deal in yeah. that. I think it's five Oliver Stone movies. Impressive. And it's interesting because oh, I'm not a huge Oliver Stone guy, but I didn't know he had guys. Mm. You know, like Scorsese has guys yeah. and Tarantino has guys. I didn't know Oliver Stone had guys. Yeah, well, he's got at least one. He's got at least one. And what a what a one. And his name is John. C. Riley. McGinley. <laughs> Almost. We're always finishing each other's. Breakfast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's fucking great. He's always great. Yeah. And he's actually a really sweet man. Is he? Not that this makes him sweet, but I think he's got a child with disabilities or something. He does. His son has Down syndrome and right. he's, uh, he's very involved in the, yeah. in the circuit. In the, in and the, he's very different to the characters he betrays. He's always he? like that yeah, guy. He's yeah. always like an intense. And you see him on Conan or whatever and he's just really sweet, yeah, talking about his son and the stuff really? he does with, yeah. Yeah, I'll dig him. Good man. Oh, yeah, he's up there with the Willie Fickness. yeah. Yeah, he is for sure. There's two Willie Fickner awards in this one. Yeah, that's yeah. not often you get that. We we haven't had a Willie Fickner since Willie Fickner. I know. You know, oh, we had we had the guy, the Budget Arnold. I forgot his name. Budget Arnold from Van Damme's Lionheart. Yeah, from Lionheart. Uh, forget his name. No. We'll see. Then hey, if you forget his name, he doesn't count. You remembered Fickner's name yeah, exactly. So hats no off Fickner. to you. Hats <laughs> off to you. What are we going to talk about next? Hats off to Fickner. I wouldn't mind talking about. Just going a little deeper on how this hits in mid to late 30s. Because obviously we both worked in offices a while now. First time you watched it, you're living at the end of the movie. You're yeah, only working in construction. Yeah. I was basically his neighbour. Yeah, exactly. 
<laughs> What's his name? <laughs> can't remember. But he was great too. Fuck, this is the thing. He was in. We could talk for hours just about the cast. He was Drew in Drew Carey. Carey. Yeah, yeah. He's every, every single one of these people would be a low key VP in any other movie. Yeah, I, in yeah. any other movie, every single one jumped to conclusions. Both the Bobs, yeah. Milton, everybody, all of them. Even Nina speaking. Just a moment. Yeah, all of them. <laughs> um, the uh, sounds like somebody's got a case of the Monday. Yeah, every yeah. single one is a fucking. Yeah, it's a gem. Low-key VP, two MVP. They all are. But we're in, too- A bright spark in any other movie. This is a movie full of bright sparks. Mm-hmm. It's fireworks, baby. Uh, it's Man. like a, you've wandered into the best of the best at the Upright Citizens Brigade. Yeah, exactly. You're watching the Herald Night. Yeah, you've stumbled down the stairs at the Comedy Cellar. And, and, and every- who should walk on stage? Chris Rock. Chris Rock. Jerry Seinfeld. Jerry Seinfeld. Others. Paulie Shaw. Yeah. <laughs> but we should talk about this movie as it hits in the, in the mid to late 30s because, yeah, you, you were. You were the end of the movie. We have worked in offices for some time. Even when mm-hmm. I first I've, started. I know, a cubicle. When I first started, I had a big boxy computer. Did you have a big boxy computer? Um, Having a laptop was a luxury. I definitely didn't have a laptop. Yeah, remember that? Smartphones, we didn't have smartphones. You leave work. You're not checking emails till you get back in the next you day. Are off. What a beautiful time. Now, things have changed, needless to say. Uh, we've worked in offices for a while now. No cubicles, thank the Lord. Mm-hmm. No cubicles. Open plan has been quite good. I quite like open plan. Do you yeah, like open well, plan? who knows what's next, though, with the COVIDs? That's true. We'll be in little bubbles, like a little John Travolta and Gat. Um, <laughs> hey, more. <laughs> hey, buddy. <laughs> that was good timing. Um, but, yeah, I think... I don't know about you, but when we first started in office jobs, it was pretty exciting. Did you find that? A hundred percent. But we started, we didn't start work at Inatech. No, no, no. Yeah, exactly. We were in advertising. It was that exciting. And everyone was young. Oh, but I did, sorry, I did have a stint somewhere around my labouring days at Optus in a call centre. I Optus. did a call centre too. And that was like this. It I was, did a call centre too and it was like this and, and I got fired essentially. Yeah, I quit well, I before I got fired. I was permanent and I think I had one too many sick days. I didn't know what I was doing. I was just not happy. I was him. Except the only difference between me and Mike Judge is I didn't go home and draw <laughs> these weirdos up. and Turn it into a multi-million dollar empire. Yeah, that's the only difference between it's us. the only difference. And I kind of just stuck with it. Yeah, yeah. So He's, you could say I've got a little bit Who's laughing more. now, Mike Judge? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've got a podcast. Exactly. But, yeah, it was an exciting time because we work in advertising. So, yes. to be fair, it's a bit different to the movie. We're young. I met my wife there. You met your wife there. We met each other there. Yeah, we met each other there. <laughs> yeah, of course. So, it was an exciting time. It was like high school, uni, young people in advertising. It's a pretty smooth transition. So We're basically Mike Judge except we're going about it the 20-year version as opposed to the five-month version. Yeah. And so, it wasn't such a stark contrast going from uni to some shitty alphabetizing job as some Milton guys talking yeah. about squirrels uh-huh. making love by the tree. It wasn't that. We were going to parties and free KFC, free booze, babes. The paid nothing. Paid nothing but babes. You get all your nutritional value. Babes and biscuits, baby. Yeah. Um, and it was good. It was great. And I would say I was I was wrapped up in the, the idea of advertising and I had kind of probably from movies always loved the idea of working in advertising. Mm. Um, and um. And – 
I think I probably hung a lot of my identity on that idea of like, I want to, I'm going to be like the best advertising. Yeah. I want to get to the top. But then we've kind of realized that we weren't making the ads. We were just putting them in slots. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, you're the guy that makes the ads. No, no, no. No, I just. Which sounds like a very office space kind of conversation. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Or City Slickers. Oh, City Slickers. Oh, yeah, of course. Um, but yeah, I mean, my, what I was getting to is I think I got into a point by the time of this rewatch of like, yeah, I don't necessarily want to be, I don't attach so much, so much of my identity to the, to, to the job no more. Mm. It's things like the podcast. There's things that are doing outside of work that are a bit more interesting. Yeah. Well, it's interesting because he talks about, I think one of the things Mike Judge said was like, it was almost like a cult. Yeah. Uh-huh. And maybe I'm just less wrapped up in the cult now. Yes. And more, I'm drinking a bit less of the Kool-Aid. I'm still uh-huh. there, I'm still in. I'm still delivering great work, don't get me wrong. But I'm just maybe not chugging down the Kool-Aid quite as much. Yeah, I know the, uh, I know the Kool-Aid types. Yeah. He talks about it as like this overachiever mentality in uh, Silicon Valley at the time. Now, th- this was in, in the mid-'80s. Uh, the Bay Area was just, it was just overachiever fever. The whole, like... Um, that mentality was just really intense, and it was in ground zero for it was Silicon Valley. And I remember, this is before the internet, you'd look for jobs in the paper. I don't know if you guys still do. Um, there, my son, Sun Microsystems had an entire page ad. The front, in giant letters, it just said, push. And then underneath it, it said, yourself harder than you ever dreamed possible, past all existing goals, up to the level of Sun Microsystems. And... This scared me and disturbed me. I just, I, I was looking at this and, and I thought, because I don't dream about pushing myself harder than I thought possible. I dream about like sitting on the beach in Hawaii with a beer or being in a place out in the country. And but I, I think that's a similar energy mm. to what the culture is like in working in advertising. Mm. Agency, in the young gun yeah, days. they really rally behind. Again. Yeah. Rally behind. And you go in head first going, if I just get to that thing, I'm going to do the thing. You and know? then they'll, then they'll, yeah. There's a reason we didn't start this podcast 10 years ago, right? And I think there's like partly because we didn't know much about podcasting. Mm. <laughs> but the idea of like, oh, maybe there's things outside of work that are worth pursuing. Uh-huh. It's kind of like the, maybe the equivalent of him wanting to work in construction is like us going, oh, wait, what about stuff outside? Well, that's it. You don't. This is our jump to conclusions board right here, this podcast. That's right. You jump to conclusions. Because you jump to them. Yeah. The, 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 I think it's a, it's a good moment when you uh, realise that work doesn't have to define you and you can have yeah. um, fulfilling and satisfying you know, parts of your life yeah. outside your nine to five or whatever hours you work. 100%. 100%. Um, Oh, I also thought I always found this an interesting window into American culture because it is so everyday mm. and it's not a Hollywood. It's just like some middle America place mm-hmm. that's pretty non-specific uh-huh. at the time. And the restaurants like Chachi. Yes, I love the names. Yeah. What, what are they? Because we don't really – there's Chachi's, Flingers, Flingers and Chili's. Yeah. And we don't really have those things here. We don't have that type of restaurant here. No. It's a weird – I mean episode. we've had a couple of them open – like TGI's opened here. Did it? Yeah, there's one. This I'm pretty sure there's still one at Macquarie Centre. Oh, really? Yeah, it opened late. Like it opened, I don't know, in the last, you know, post our when we were around there. Era. Yeah, it's still there. That's a TJ Fridays. There. It, it, we had Sizzler. We had Sizzler briefly, but these things tend to not stick. 
Mm. Even Starbucks didn't really stick in Australia. I don't know what it is. Starbucks, I think, like our cafe culture probably explains that a bit. Yeah, but I wonder if there's a similar relationship. Yeah, I wonder. Do we just go to cafes for that type of situation too? Like, do like you wouldn't you wouldn't go there for lunch at work? Like, that, it's weird. Who, yeah, who? Do people go there at night with families? Is that I don't know. So when I was in New York, those things existed. I didn't go to them, although not not through – I actually wanted to go. I was curious. Out of curious. Yeah. Out of curious. Out of curious. And I'm not like a food snob or anything. I'm into it. Like I'll get on board. That sounds delicious. Red Lobster, I'm in. <laughs> yeah, I've always been intrigued by <laughs> yeah. the Red Lobster. Oh, I went to Bubblegum Shrimp once. Yeah. In Times Square? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thanks, Chris Manson. Because Manson recommended – it was the first time I ever went to New York. Manson had been before me and I was like, what should I – what do you any recommendations? You gotta go. <laughs> Bubblegum shrimp in, in Times Square. Square. Yeah, yeah. Manson. Hopefully we'll get it next week for a face off. If people are coming to Sydney, you gotta try McDonald's at Circular King. <laughs> the seagulls, the lions. <laughs> Breathtaking. Breathtaking. Um but yeah, I never got around to it. They also got Outback Steakhouse, which seems like it's in a similar family. Um but yeah, I always thought that was really cool and I still do. It's like such an interesting window into that yeah, level I'm fascinated of culture. By it. it's, it's just the, as you said, it's the mundane everyday mm. existence which I've always found fascinating. That and I always am intrigued wherever I go somewhere new in the world, I'm always fascinated by the supermarkets. That's my, oh, kind of, yeah, me that's too. my go-to litmus test. Maccas and supermarkets. Yeah. I like going to Maccas too. Yeah, because you get a little. Like in Hawaii you can get like a spam thing. I like yeah. just seeing the, the glocalization. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. It's interesting. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's we're um, we're we're students of the of the earth. We really are. Um, have you seen the sequel? What? There's a like a a sequel type. Oh, extract. Airport. Extract. Yeah. Well, there's the, you could kind of call it. Yeah, sorry, it's not a it's not a hard sequel. But I it's kind of a, I kind of look at the, the extract and idiocracy as like the the spiritual trilogy. Yeah. Okay. Um, and they're all worth watching. This is the best one by far. I do, Idiocracy is probably number two, Extract's number I haven't three. seen Extract, but I think cast. I watched it randomly on Netflix a few years ago. I'm just going to read out the cast. It's good. Jason Bateman. Yeah. Kristen Wiig. Mm. Mila Kunis. Mm. J.K. Simmons. Yeah. Ben Affleck. Oh, I don't remember him in it. Yeah, he might play a bit, but doing a little character character. Yeah. Um, the, those three movies, they all have that same sensibility, that same everydayness. Idiocracy is a bit more heightened because it's in the future and there's, you know, crazy things happening, but it still has that same Something. vibe of there was what the, if an ordinary, you know, like, the, yeah. Yeah, right. The context of um, this guy at work sending me an email with a, it was a billboard and I can't remember the message on it, but apparently it was, it was a COVID-related billboard. Oh, yeah. And it was so poignant to... Idiocracy. Idiocracy. There's a lot. Um, I mean, yeah. there's a lot. I think since the Trump administration, there's been a lot of like parallels because the president was a wrestler played by Terry Crews in Idiocracy. Oh, really? Yeah. And there's a lot of the, like they couldn't. Is that those clips where he comes out on stage? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. All the crops. How have I not seen that? All the crops were dying because instead of water, everything's Gatorade. Like there's all this yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. Fuddruckers. Called Buttfuckers. Fuddruckers. We had Fuddruckers. <laughs> yeah, we had Fuddruckers briefly. Also at Macquarie Center. Yeah, Macquarie. Was that the little test and learn spot? Maybe. Hey, um, did you know just on those type of restaurants, apparently TGI Fridays used to do the flair. Um, some people yeah, they don't do it anymore. It's a minimum. 
Uh, some people choose more and we encourage that. Yeah, that's one of the legacy items I would say on this because they've, ah, right. yes. they've no longer doing it. Yeah. Because they got made fun of too much. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> They're like, yeah, we copped it. Yeah. Yeah, so you got that. You got the swing line red stapler. They didn't make a red swing yeah, line. Yeah. They painted it. And then after this movie was People in such high demand, it. they started making it. It's like their biggest stapler. Yeah. That's fucking random shit. It is a pretty attractive stapler. Oh, I'm quite a stapler. I'd like one. I actually remember when I started in the office, Chris Manson was in charge of buying stationery and I'm pretty sure I asked for that. He kept buying. He got no, he was no longer allowed to buy stationery for was the doing- office because he was buying for like a $400 stapler or some shit. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't the swing line though. Um, uh, it never was. <laughs> the office. Maybe not quite a legacy item, but there's definitely a dotted line there. Oh, from yeah. From this in the office. Um, I'm not saying one copied each other, but there's definitely a vibe. Through to Silicon Valley too. Yeah. Which is interesting. Silicon Valley is sort of just the 2020 version of this in a way. It's just, yeah, look, I mean, that's what I was sort of alluding to with the self-help stuff. You know, it's yeah. just a, it's a core human. Yeah. I don't know how to articulate it, but it's kind of like a, it's this sort of feeling will Always exist. Yeah. They'll and it goes, it's slightly different. It doesn't quite hit that note as hard in in um, Silicon Valley, although spoilers for Silicon Valley. Have you watched it? No. Maybe I'll just say that the ending of Silicon Valley is not too far away from the ending of this movie. Mm. Um, so it's not necessarily as explicitly about people unhappy in their jobs, but it kind of ends up in a... Mm. Similar conclusion, which yeah. makes sense given his life experience. Um, another one I really liked about this movie, which I would bucket as a legacy item for a reason, which I'll get to briefly uh, in a minute. Um, the soundtrack, mm. good soundtrack, great soundtrack. I didn't really know. I always remembered the "Damn, it feels good to be a gangster" yeah. part, but I didn't realize the whole soundtrack is his rap. Like, yeah. It's great. Yeah. And it, it's that, that juxtaposing of the two things. That's yeah. great. Yeah. It works so well. I've been listening to it all week, ironically, while I'm working. I was just listening to it last night. Yeah. And it's um, actually really. I was just listening to Damn It Feels Good on repeat. Yeah. It's such we, a nice we song. Just before you got here, well, it's, the vibe is great. That's it's how like you the P- It reminds Monday. me of PM Dawn, Set Adrift on Memory Bliss a little bit. I don't know that song. You don't know that? No, I don't know that song. Um, I think you do. Maybe I do. But in, I was thinking there's like, I believe this must have been the first to do this. These were separate things in those days. You didn't really see. They, they Fox wanted to take that music out of the movie. Yeah, I heard. Yeah. So this is kind of a big deal. But it's interesting to think about it now because so many movies now with white guys in suits has hip-hop in the trailer. Like it's such a thing. It's a thing. It's a thing. Specifically Kanye as well. This is something I've noted over the years. It, and so I looked it up. Little... So now I'm just looking at Kanye specifically now. Wolf of Wall Street, Black Skinhead, Girl on a Train, Heartless, Assassin's Creed, I Am a God, The Night Before, Runaway, Jarhead, Jesus Walks, The Hangover 2, Dark Fantasy, Gatsby, No Church in the Wild, The Hangover uh, 3, yep. Runaway, Neighbours 2 or Bad Neighbours depending where you live, Black skinhead. Now here's where it gets really interesting. Keep going. The social network, power. Limitless, power. Broken City, power. Video game Saints Row 3, power. Video game Forza Motorsport 4, power. <laughs> Fantastic 4 reboot, power. Power Rangers reboot, power. 
that particular track, eh, uh, yeah. <laughs> That's a lot of money. I can only Successful. presume Kanye has watched this movie and said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make music for white film trailers. <laughs> yeah, and TV shows. And TV shows and video games. It's, it's, it's like it's such a cliche now, but somewhat of a fresh thing back then. Yeah. At least according to me, not Did like. Did you say Church in the Wild? Yeah. For which? Uh, Gatsby? Yeah, I, feel like, Gatsby. Chats, I feel like that. It was more for Church in the Wild. Uh, there was something else. Anyway. Right now. A Denzel Washington movie. I can't remember. Maybe. Yeah. Um, before we get into verdict, my only other thing was just to round out my man crush um, on Mike Judge. Uh-huh. Now, for the record, while we were playing a clip before, Greg did say, oh, he's, he's quite good looking. Yeah, I told you that. Yeah, like <laughs> he, he's, you know, he looks like a, he's a, a well-tanned athletic man. He looks he looked like you're, Kelly Slater. You're right. It's a cross between Kelly Slater and Johnny Depp doing Hunter S. Thompson. Yeah. It's like in the middle there. Boom. Um, he's such a fucking legend. Like he's, you heard him talk mm. and you, you'll see it. I'll put it on Instagram too. He's just so like, man, you know, and then this happened and then thought, well, maybe I'll do that. You know, then, then that mm. happened. That was pretty good. Like he's ah, just what? so. I wonder nah, how. Breath of fresh air. Yeah. I wonder how much she's like a duck. Yeah, yeah, that's probably true. Because I think people at work, probably, I think people think that about me, like I'm so relaxed about stuff, but inside I'm stressing the fuck yeah, out. Yeah, I get yeah. that. I had my review yesterday and oh, it yeah. came up again that I'm like chill and calm. Really? I'm like, fuck, really? Yeah, you don't know me that it, well. <laughs> it, it always does and I'm just like, I'm fucking crazy, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get the same stuff all the time. Like in the... Not in this job yet, but in my previous job, the team's like, you're always so calm and relaxed with all these things. I'm like, no, I'm not. Yeah, Fuck. Ask my wife. Speak yeah. to my wife. Talk to the wife. <laughs> um, but, yeah, he's so great. And he also obviously still has – he's still grateful for these shit jobs he had because it's given him all this material too. Fuck us. And it's yeah, been, absolutely. it's been his thing too. Like he's, he's like – he makes a great point that a lot of people that make movies – from other people that make movies or from privileged and like, you know, extremely privileged upbringings. There's, there's not a lot of guys out there that make this ordinary stuff. Mm. It's just ordinary, ordinary, ordinary stuff. So that's kind of been his shtick the whole time. Um, it's almost the antidote. But the part that speaks to me the most from that same commencement speech, which is where most of these clips have come from, it's a really good thing. Go fucking watch it and get pumped. The part that really spoke to me most is, is this part here. Talking about when he first started learning to animate. For the first time, I, I was motivated. I was a man on a mission. And, you know, I, actually for the first time, I kind of understood that thing, push yourself harder <laughs> than you ever thought possible. I was, and I was still a musician at the time, and I was, you know, musician hours. The earliest I would wake up would be noon. And anything earlier than that was just really tough. But I woke up the next morning at 8.30 just on my own. And from then on, I was just... I just worked my butt off at it. I was just, I, I, I knew what I wanted to do. I was motivated. I went to the library. I got books on it. Um, and I got a little Bolex, $200 Bolex camera and just started animating. And it, it sounds kind of nerdy maybe and a little weird, but like I, I think this was probably the happiest I've ever been. The success that came later was really nice, but 
something about just toiling away and just doing those hundreds of drawings and being on a mission and knowing that there were these possibilities was, was uh, and having something that motivated me after going through all these jobs that I didn't like uh, was great. I also had a, you know, my wife at the time was not only supportive, but she had a job. That's awesome. Right? I can relate to that with the podcast, man. Big time. We're, we're you know, we'd been in the same careers for a while and we're like, but what if we just tried to make a podcast and you just, yeah, we, we don't know how to make a podcast and you buy the things and you do the things. We looked on the internet, which is the modern library. Yeah. And we sound like cliche millennials and yeah, a couple of guys make a podcast, but the, the feeling and the energizing of like, yeah, mm. let's go build something, create something. I can relate to that so much. Mm. I, that's like, that speaks to me, man. Speaks to me. Yeah. 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 I like him. I just want to create shit. I just want to meet Mike Judge. What a legend, right? He's made my dinner party list. Couple of brewskis. Yeah. Should we get into the verdict? Let's get it. Yeah, let's do it. I don't know what to say, really. I don't remember asking you a goddamn thing. I am the law. I'd like an answer to the question, Judge. I want to have them answered immediately. You can't handle the truth. What are you waiting for? Ah! Say what again? Say what again? I dare you. Nothing further. Your Honor. And that's all I have to say about that. Overall, I'd say I love this movie, Greg. I think it's a slick operation. Yeah, it's tight. It's razor sharp. I say it's the characters, it's the actors, it's the cast. It's but it's this tight little package of these uh-huh. little little, just caricatured enough, but not so extreme that it's over the top. It's yeah. so ordinary and <clears throat> and warm, warm and familiar. I warm think, and familiar. Yeah, I think I gave it my summary at the top, but and I don't know how much of that is that. It reminds me of a nice time in my life. You know, that's a pretty good era when you... Well, Ara watched it for the first time. Yeah. And she's a huge fan of it. Yeah. Although I'm I'm 50% sure I've made her watch it at some point in the past. Carol but- Carol was into the jump to conclusions, Matt. She, <laughs> she saw that as a viable, um, a viable option. Because you jump. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She was like, that would work now. I'm like, what do you mean? You mean... <laughs> now? <laughs> uh, we didn't have time. It was ahead of its time. Yeah, I, I was... Unfortunately, Classic. I needed to watch the movie because <laughs> I would have liked to have unpacked that a little more. Well, maybe we can put Carol's Jumps and Conclusions pitch on Instagram. Um, but this is a rewatch. This is up there. This is probably top five rewatches I think I've had. Yeah, nice. Yeah. Again, uh, we've had a few top ones recently. Mm. This is big. Mm. Um, let's get into some of our patented tests. Did Simpsons do it? No. <laughs> but you know who did do it? Family guy. Family guy. Twice. Yeah. So we've got this clip here. Well, the hell with all of you. I'm going downtown and buy another copy of Surfing Bird. Peter, that's not necessary. I'm sure it'll turn up somewhere. I wouldn't count on it, Lois. They're replicating the bashing up the yeah. the printer scene with the boy the, the, the word. The boy is Peter's playing song. it too much. Yeah. Porn parody, Greg. Oh, I'll give it a... Give it a half tick there because yeah, it's Family Guy. That's still it's, that's, it's a similar. It's not the extremes of Simpsons cultural relevance, but it's up there. Uh, porn parody. I haven't looked still since the other week. What if I told you there's a porn parody out there called Orifice Space? <laughs> <laughs> I got to tell you, I'm very impressed with all of these wow. uh, these guys. <laughs> like Orifice Space. <laughs> I want to join these brainstorms. Ah, uh, that's great. Sure, they're just doing it on set. They are. In between loads. 
Bechdel test, no, unfortunately. <laughs> FX test, I mean, there's a fire at some point. <laughs> yeah, it's a digital fire. Yeah. Recasties? I didn't go for it. You I just can't. Don't, like, you can't touch that shit. Yeah, it's, it's a I don't think tapestry. you can. And because now, like that, that scenario is kind of played out in terms of the office and stuff. Like mm, all those people mm, could do a lot of this mm. fine, but um, you can't. You can't. Yeah, those actors are those characters. Yeah, and like the character the, actors. Yeah, it's always hard. Well, to. I guess the good thing we haven't really added on to is like, yeah, all these character actors brought together mm. to make this real special fucking thing. Mm-hmm. Um, MVP. I don't think I have one. I can't. I don't have one. I if if you put me on the spot, I would maybe say Lomberg. I I, I guess. But then all the rest of Loki yeah. VPs. <laughs> Loki uh, low PVP out of the lower V key VPs, I might say the jump to conclusions guy. Yeah. He's barely in it. Yeah. He's seen with the bobs where he just Loses his shit. Like, what would you say you do here? Yeah. He's like, no, I've got to take it from one group. I have people skills. I speak to the engineers because they can't speak to them. <laughs> I'm a people person. Why can't you get that into your head? <laughs> That's just his head goes so bright. Uh, and then he has a big car crash. Tries to really like kill himself. Things can happen. And he, you know, it's just like, <laughs> fuck, you're a loser, man. But he's, uh, So I thought he was. Pre- and even the other Bob. That's yeah, low, low key. Yeah, yeah. The other Bob is – there's just so many. We could sit here all day listening. I'm not going to work here anymore. Yeah. And they yeah. just look. The, their looks are so – Perfect. Perfect. Ah, anyway, we said that. I'm going to keep um, talking about it. But Six Degrees of JCVD. Six Degrees of JCVD. I just went straight to uh, Rachel from Friends. Same. Who has relations with him. One Degree. I guess that's it. What have we got next week? Uh, I think we're doing Face Off and it, Greg's alluding to the fact that maybe he hasn't seen Face Off, which like, is interesting. Maybe I saw parts of it. That's exciting. No, that'll, I'm excited for you. Um, I feel like we'll talk We about might try time. and get Chris Manson back. Listeners, you may remember Chris Manson, first guest on the show ever. <laughs> I'm pretty much the only guest on the show ever so far. Um, he <laughs> well, was there in, in Con Air. So if we want to hear from you. Do you want Chris Manson on the next episode? Let us know. Hey, and leave us a review too and specifically call out Chris Manson if you can. Yeah. Um, that'll really make his day. <laughs> In the meantime. He asked me what it was. I said, do you want to join us for Face Off? And he's like, what's that? <laughs> Probably thought it was a new thing. Yeah. Um, In the meantime. In the meantime, take care of yourself and, and each, each other. other. <laughs> what's that from? Jerry, Jerry Springer. Oh, wow. I guess that's it. <laughs> <laughs>